You are listening to The Message, a podcast by The Last Ghost. Please be advised, this episode may contain some bad language. Enjoy. Hola. Well, if you're listening to this, uh, just to give you a bit of context, I'm recording this in the Caribbean, in my new 12-bedroom uh, mansion with a sports car and a swimming pool. It's like a rap video out there. This is on the back of the, uh, the huge success of the album, The Last Ghost by The Last Ghost. Nowadays, don't know if you know about this or not, but like uh, Spotify and these streaming platforms pay the artists just so, like, it's incredible what what they get paid now compared to the old days. Get a couple of streams and, oh, the million, checks for millions are coming through the letterbox. Ah, I don't know what I'm on about. No, uh, I, no I was just reading an article about that the other day, about how uh, artists are struggling just now. People who do music uh, for a living and do it full time and, and uh, that's their income, that's their job. And obviously they can't play live just now. And uh, nowadays nobody's, well, hardly anybody's buying CDs. Finals have got a bit of resurgence, but it's kind of niche. So people are uh, selling their music on streaming platforms or licensing their music to streaming platforms so people can hear it. And I'm not trying to say it's evil or that. I, I, I didn't kind of massive amount about the business model and how it works. But uh, I've, I've read a lot of terrible articles with people who, who aren't millionaires, you know, who've, who've had a success in music maybe 10, 20, 30, 40 years ago or whatever, and that was their income, you know, people buying physical copies of their music, and that would keep them going, it would keep them in a decent lifestyle in their later years and stuff like that. But I can't remember who it was now, but I read an article with somebody who got a, a million streams, somebody played one of their songs a million times, and they got a cheque for like 60 quid or something like that, which is, is pretty brutal because the the platforms and the the record label and management and all that, they'll still be getting paid, they'll still be making money, but the, the artists are the, the last to get paid now and the least to get paid as well. Uh, anyway, as I say, it, 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 this doesn't really affect me at all. It's just an observation by having stuff on Spotify and things like that is, a, is that it must be a struggle nowadays, especially at this moment in time. And I don't uh, as I say, it doesn't, it doesn't affect me, but it's, it's really interesting anyway. But anyway, never mind all that. Why am I here again speaking into the microphone? I've done a three-part podcast uh, series in the lead-up to releasing my uh, debut album back in September now, uh, and I thought it'd be good just to talk about my time uh, in music and experiences uh, being in a band and the sort of stuff that I did that kind of led me to, to doing a solo uh, venture and, and then, you know, solo album and stuff like that. So suppose the point of this podcast is then there's probably two parts to this. First bit is just to give a wee update and a wee recap on, on how things went. The last time I spoke on the podcast series, it was just maybe days away from releasing the album or maybe a, a week or so out. And then, uh, that, then that was it. So maybe just a wee chance for me just to say, how did it go? What happened? And what was my experiences of doing a, doing a solo record and the, the aftermath of that? Uh, and I think... That's 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 probably the first part. The second part is uh, yeah, a couple of announcements to make about new music, and uh, I, you know what? I'm not going to try and keep it like some big mad surprise for the end. I'll just get it out now. I've got a second album coming on the 19th of February, 
I'm really excited about that I've just finished. So as I record this just now, I just put the uh, the finishing touches to it and I submitted it for a uh, distribution to the likes of Spotify and these kind of sort of channels that I mentioned there. So uh, from my point of view, you know, these, these things are good because it enables somebody like myself who does this as a, a hobby to get the music out to a potentially large audience. Uh, and if you're no, you know, in it for uh, for f- because it's your job and that's how you make your, your money, then it's it's a great thing and it's, it gives you the, the freedom to release stuff, uh, you know, worldwide at the touch of a, a button, if you like. So aye, so I'm going to talk a wee bit about that. Uh, so yes, strap yourselves in. Aye, so the, I suppose the first thing for me to kind of say is like a massive thanks. Uh, the reception to the to the album was was pretty pretty overwhelming uh, for me. It was a a project that I put a lot of you know effort and time into, and a bit of uh, love and care into making sure that it sounded good and it was how I wanted it to be. And I feel that it's worth it. Like I, I listened to, uh, so as I say, this is February to uh, sorry twenty twenty one now, and uh, you know I'm a few months on for it being released, four or five months on for it being released, and it's hard to be objective. So I I did take a I never listened to it for a wee while until. Uh, maybe a couple of weeks ago, when I was mixing the the new album, the current album, I just wanted to have a wee listen just to see how it compared sonically and uh, the volume and stuff like that. And if it sounded consistent, because I want the the new album to sound, I'm, I'm not trying to say I'm trying to recreate the, the the sound of the first album. I want it to sound consistent. So if you listen to the two of them back to back, they didn't sound like they were recorded in a really different environment with different. Uh, personnel and stuff like that, you know, I want it to feel like a, a, it's the same band and it's the same uh, kind of sort of era of music and stuff. So I say band, you know, it's, it is me. I think some people, I had a lot of people who were asking me about the uh, the band and who played what and who was in it and when are we playing live and stuff like that, which I think is always quite funny because there is no band, you know, the Last Ghosts are kind of an, an alias or a moniker for, for uh, I don't mean moniker out of friends, I mean a moniker for... Uh, for for me to be able to sort of do this sort of music without, uh, I think I just to sort of do it with a boring standard name. It's thought it was an idea to come up with a name. It sounded like a band and sounded a bit mysterious. Sorry, I digress again, and I'll probably do that a lot. Uh, but what I think I was going to say there was that I, I listened to it again after a period of time away, and I was surprised that I, I found uh, that that I thought I don't know it was better than I expected. That sounds terrible. Uh, you know, talking about your own music in that that way, but but it was like I was just able to kind of listen to it as a as a fan or something like that for the first time, and uh, without all the hang ups of like, oh that sound there wasn't right, or I should have taken the distortion off of that, or those lyrics weren't what it should have been, and things like that. So, I I was pleasantly surprised. I th- I, th- I think it's a really good uh, album. I really do, and I, and I feel that I'll listen to it in ten years time if I'm lucky enough to still be around and and. Uh, and enjoy it and, and be proud of it and, and not really feel that I cut any corners or a, a compromise on anything, you know. I think it was pretty much what I wanted it to be and uh, I think the songs are all decent on it. There's some songs that I never really felt when I was going into it that they might stand the test of time and it's only been a few months but they all sound alright to me, like to my ears now and uh, and some of the ones that the songs that I felt weren't as strong as others weirdly sound sound better to me now than they did and some of the songs in there perhaps that I thought were the strongest songs I've kind of, uh, I, I still think they're good but my other songs have maybe like in my mind have kind of caught up and I think a lot of the stuff is, is kind of really surprisingly decent is my humble opinion on that. So 
yeah, I'm really, really grateful to everybody who who listened to it, uh, who who bought it or streamed it or just listened on YouTube for free, which is absolutely cool as well. And uh, there's loads of ways to listen to music nowadays. And uh, yeah, it's it's great. I was so relieved to to get it out the door and and, and put it out and maybe kind of nervous as well. But the thing is, when you you put so much into it, like not just the actual recording and the writing and all that stuff, but the stuff you got to do after it to get it ready. The sort of post-recording stuff, the mixing, mastering, getting all the volumes all balanced out so they sound right, and getting the uh, the artwork to the right format, and all the files ready to go, and all the distribution, and it's a it's a lot, and it, it it sort of consumes your 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 time, and if you're going through like a weird time or a bad time, and things are uh, you know the way the country is just now is a is a big factor in that as well. It it becomes like your your thing to do that keeps you kind of sane to an extent. So when it when it went out when it got released it was such a build up to to get in there, and uh, after it is like I just I don't know you just get such a low just a complete drop in energy and you just kind of go a bit through the floor because you're like well it's gone now it's it's such a weird thing I think if you were in a real band the album going out would be exciting because that's the start of uh, probably like. I don't know, the next thing would be a tour and stuff like that. So the album's a start of like a cycle of things. Whereas in this kind of situation, the album kind of spells the end of that, <laughs> everything. It's, it's out there now. And uh, I suppose the, the, the fun then is, you know, what do people think of it? What's people's reaction? To? And there is there is that, but it was such a weird, empty feeling after it went out. And I think that's probably why I, r- I just rushed straight into uh, starting the second album. I'd actually start the second album before uh, the, the first one even came out, to be honest. There's a kind of few weeks when you submit the album to the distribution where uh, you need to wait, you know, it doesn't just happen overnight. And I think I gave myself four or five weeks just to get geared up. So there was a period of time where the album had gone and there was going to be a few weeks before anybody could hear it and it would appear online and stuff like that. And at that period, I just was like, what? What the, what did I do now? Uh, and it was it was a horrible weird void to fill. So uh, I just started on the the next the next uh, album and it, it came together quite quickly. I think I had uh, a few sort of bursts where I would write three or four songs in a week. And uh, the weird thing, and I'll talk about the other album first. I should probably finish talking about the first album before I start talking about the second album. So. I'll try and kind of split this podcast into two halves, if you like. So the stuff I was going to talk about there about the second album, I'll park that for now and come back to it, because I want to talk a bit more about the first album. So I, I mean, I had sort of thought in my mind uh, that the, the lockdown, naively, like that the things would be more settled in the in the world, in the country, and we'd be able to have some sort of launch event, uh, maybe even play live a wee bit, and uh, have people in a, a physical room with alcohol and... And, and uh, sounds, and I don't know, I'm quite sure what it was going to be, but uh, that never happened. So what I did do instead was a, a virtual uh, online album launch, where I just streamed uh, to, to YouTube, and people could just kind of join in and listen along to the songs that I was playing off the record, and comment and stuff like that, and engage and ask questions and things, and I think it was quite good, I think it went uh, pretty well, it was a good laugh, I enjoyed it, got a bit into it, after a few beers and a bit of kind of chat and stuff like that and a lot of people engage with it and uh, bizarrely a lot of people engage with it after the fact as well so you know, people would listen to the live thing which is kind of the point of it but then weirdly enough the YouTube kind of stats tell you that even after it uh, for a while after it people were kind of listening to it again <laughs> uh, whether that was people who were there at the time or maybe missed it at the time and went back and listened 
but I didn't just play my own uh, album on that or my own songs. I wanted to delve into the past and play songs by people that I've worked with in the past and music and friends and things like that. And uh, that was older recordings and current ones as well. Kind of people who I've kind of met through the sort of I suppose community, if you like, uh, doing your own music and things like that, who have also released stuff lately that I'd been listening to during the recording of my album. So I wanted to give them a wee shout out and play some of their songs as well. Uh, and I really enjoyed that. I think that was quite a good, a good fun couple of hours on a Friday night. And hopefully anybody who managed to, to get to that enjoyed it as well. So uh, it maybe begs a question, how do, how do you even measure success nowadays? I mean, the the old days, it was really, it was obvious you would, you would, your record label or your or yourself, if you were an independent label, you would produce a certain amount of the album or the CD or the tape or whatever it was, uh, set a price, sell it, and then it's pretty clear cut after that. You know, you've sell X amount or whatever, or uh, and it's generated X amount of revenue if it's your job or you're you're in a uh, a record label and stuff like that. But generally, you know, for independent bands and stuff like that, you just want people to hear your music, and you'll be pretty happy if you shift a couple of hundred CDs. If you're just a kind of sort of grassroots kind of sort of local band, nowadays it's changed. Like the, you can get music to you know out to the world instantly, digital. People will stream it and stuff like that anywhere in the world. So I suppose by that metric, then the album's been by far, you know, by my all the biggest success, most successful release based on streams and things like that. So it's uh, the, the EPs and the things that I've done before were were, were getting. You know they were they were they were doing well if a thousand people heard them they were getting into that kind of numbers but this one massively surpassed that uh, and I think it's I don't know but the last looked it was uh, I don't know thirteen thousand plays or something like that which kind of mind blowing to me there's a, wee, a couple of factors behind that one that I think that the album's good and I think people want to want to enjoy and want to listen to it and it's kind of spread around a wee bit but uh, another factor as well nowadays is playlist seems to be a big thing now if somebody who uh, likes your album or likes your song. Uh, sticks it on a playlist and they have a lot of people who follow their playlists and listen to their playlists and things like that that can massively boost it so luckily for me uh, three songs I think maybe two uh, three songs were playlisted so the first kind of song on the album called Time to Get Up which was a kind of last minute upbeat song because I thought I needed to get something a bit more upbeat on the record and uh, to me it was a throwaway three minute song but it, it got added to a fairly influential playlist and that, that got a lot of plays. You know, that started really bumping up the numbers when that happened. Uh, and then Only Got A Year as well was playlisted on a different playlist. I think somewhere in Canada or something like that. And I think The Message might have been the other one, which which got playlisted at some point again as well, to a lesser extent. But those three tracks kind of seem to be the, the popular ones uh, who and again that can be game changing. I think the way it works nowadays, if you you had a, a song that was playlisted by one of these huge influential playlists, that can be the difference in your album being heard fifty times and being heard fifty thousand times. It's crazy how that how that works, and it's a new a new world to me. And I, I was getting a bit too into it. I think another symptom of the lockdown as well. I was kind of looking at the numbers and looking at the stats, and and uh, I just stopped at some point because I thought it doesn't really. Tell me anything. I mean, I, I, you can get some some information on what countries are, are are listening, you know, and cities and age range and all that stuff. And I just think, ah, you know, I, I need to stop this. It's getting unhealthy. But I suppose the bigger thing for me was people uh, just telling me about the record. 
uh, friends and things like that. I mean, they're probably not going to really tell you that you think your album's rubbish or they think that you're rubbish. So it's it's not always the most accurate kind of gauge as well. But I know like a lot of people as well who would just tell you how it is, who uh, who really were really kind and, and really liked the album. And through social media as well, like Twitter. I've got a Twitter account for The Last Ghost. I think it's at The Last Ghost 3, if you want to check that out. And there's a good community online, independent artists and musicians on there who will listen to your song. I mean, they want they want you to listen to their music as well, which is fair enough. And I've had some great stuff there by doing that. You can exchange, you know, you'll say, well, here's my song, give it a listen. Uh, and in return, you know, I listen to your song and things like that. So there's that kind of thing happens as well. And you can connect and, and sort of reach to a wide sort of network of people and stuff like that. So that's been a learning curve for me as well. I mean, I've always had a sort of that Twitter account since I first put something out just so I could share the link and stuff. But that concept of a kind of uh, artists, you know, supporting each other and stuff like that was, was quite new to me and really nice, actually. There was a guy called uh, Michael Fraser who, uh, he lives somewhere in Scotland, I think. I don't think he's Scottish, though. But he's uh, released a couple of albums and he's got a lot of stuff on Spotify, which I really like. He's got an album called The Fish That Swallowed the Moon, which I think is a great, a really, really great record. And he's recorded it in a, in a professional studio and the guy's a brilliant musician and singer. Uh, he's been really helpful to me over the over the over the piece because he liked uh, one of the songs I put out maybe on the first EP, the song called A Slow Dance, uh, and then on the back of that he listened to my other stuff and I listened to that stuff and all that. So he's kind of supporting me and pointing me in the right direction a lot of times about uh, you know just where you might get your songs heard more and how you might promote them and pointing me to more communities of people who who are willing to to promote your your record. Uh, and things like that, and that that happened, and that really helped the album take off as well. So I think a couple of factors. I think the the, the album's got to be decent, I would say, you know. But it's, it's people will will promote your record and they'll listen to it, and you might get playlists and stuff like that. But first and foremost, I think you have to have something that, that that's that's decent. It's it's all right, you know. It's and I think the the album uh, is again. I, I hate to say it because it's something that I made and stuff like that, but I think it's a really good good record, and I think it. It, it, I think it kind of deserves to be heard in a way, and I'm the, I, I might come across as an idiot for saying that because it's mine, you know. But I, th- I honestly think it's a, a really good record, and I think it will stand the test of time. Uh, but yeah, we'll see. Anyway, let's just break things up a wee bit here. There's a, a radio station in Germany, uh, Radio TFSL, and they have been really, really kind and promoted a lot of my music in the last uh, couple of years, and they still play my music now uh, with a few other stations as well uh, and they've been really really supportive so I think rather than just give them one of the songs off the album what I did as well instead this time was to take a song from the album that I liked and record it just for them record it again like bands used to do in the old days like BBC sessions and stuff like that rather than just give them the record you would go in and record uh, a new version of the song exclusive for them uh, and uh, obviously I wasn't going to go to Germany to do that but uh, the uh, the next best thing I suppose was just for me just to just to bash away in my wee sort of studio thing to to, to record them a exclusive version. So the song I chose was uh, only got a year. Uh, I did overdub a wee piano and a wee tambourine and stuff like that on it, but the the track is pretty much live, just me and the guitar and singing. And uh, it's a version I gave them, so they'll not mind me playing it here because they've played it quite a bit already. And it's uh, you know they've 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 probably exhausted their their plays on it already, so. It was exclusive to them, but uh, I'll just add it to this podcast now. So if you want to get listen to this, this is the live kind of acoustic version of the song Only Got A Year. Only got a year 
But I really like that version actually. I think that's uh, it's just it's kind of similar obviously to the album version. They change it a great deal. But I, th- I think if I was going to play live, uh, and if I ever do play live, I think that's probably the style I would play in. I don't think at my age and that I'm going to go out and start a new band and get people to learn all the songs and stuff like that and have drums and all that stuff. I just probably would just play it like that. And uh, I probably, well, I might at some point do some sort of set like that if, if, if it becomes possible again. So every time I do one of these episodes, I always say that uh, I'm going to make it shorter. There's the first, the, the, the sort of trilogy podcast episode I did were all around an hour each. And they were never really intended to be. That was only supposed to be a one-off, maybe half-hour thing. And we kind of talking a wee bit about the history and then talking about the record. But it became a kind of three-part uh, podcast series, if you like. And uh, I, I've kind of exhausted all that stuff. And you know, I, I, I've kind of spoke about the history and, and the lead-up to the album and stuff around, you know, what what kind of got me started in doing that, that sort of stuff. So it's all there. If anybody wants to, to listen to that, it's all there on episodes one to three of this podcast. Uh, so I've got a lot less to say this time, you'll be glad to hear. This will definitely be a shorter episode this time. Alright, okay, funny story uh, time. This is this is something that amused me quite a bit, actually. I'll just give you a bit of background to this. Uh, the name Last Ghost, when I came up with it, it was just... I had to get a name for releasing an EP or a, a single, it was at that point, and it just came to me. I don't know what it was, I just thought the concept of like a the last ghost, and that's like the last thing ever, like even the ghosts are kind of gone, it's like the loneliest thing in the world, <laughs> the last ghost, and it's, uh, I, I like the image of that and just the idea, so I thought that's a great idea, let's just go with that, so called my solo stuff that, and created all the requisite, you know, artist profile on Spotify and YouTube channel and all that stuff, and then you kind of establish that name, and then after a while it sticks, it never really occurred to me actually until I released something that somebody else has maybe used that name, so it turns out when I put my first song on Spotify, it got linked to a band called The Last Ghost. So there's an American band who put out an album called uh, Everything Is Ending, I think in about 2012, and it's actually quite a decent record, but it's not mine. So I didn't want my name to be associated with it because, you know, that's that's just unfair. I wouldn't, I wouldn't want people to think that I was claiming uh, to be them or, or claiming ownership of their album or anything like that. So what you have to do is you've got to do an artist separation request thing in Spotify. So it's, so it's on, on all the streaming platforms and you do it through your distributor. So that, that then makes it clear that there are two artists called The Last Ghost. And that can be fine. That's happened since the beginning of time. You know, bands will, will have the same name inevitably and it happens and it's, it's always happened. But the difference is, I think, is that you need to make it clear that you're, you're not that artist. So you could probably call yourself The Beatles if you wanted to. As long as you're not claiming to be the Beatles and you're not trying to claim ownership of their work or to try and promote yourself as them or bring out merchandising or do gigs under that name with a trying to make out that you're that you're them. So I think that's where things get a bit kinda tricky and stuff like that. And I was never that was never my intention. But yeah, as I say, it is it's possible to have have have, uh, have two artists up the same name. Anyway, what makes this funny to me is I never really thought anything of it. And, and it was probably about two years since I started putting out stuff under that name. I never really gave it a thought until... So 20th of November uh, last year, a couple of months ago. <laughs> this is brilliant. And, uh, I got an email from a guy called Christian Burke, who's uh, an American. And uh, the tone of the email kind of kind of reflects that, you know, Americans are kind of like maybe a bit sort of straight to the point sometimes and 
can come across maybe a bit different from the way that we would engage with people and stuff like that in this this country. But uh, anyway, this was email, 8 o'clock in the morning, no less. Here we go. Hi there. I'm sure you're aware of my band, The Last Ghost, from Detroit. Debut album released in 2012. Yeah, all question marks here. With all the copyrights intact and filed via Luddite Records, LLC. It's a pretty unique name for us both to come up with, don't you think? And in your case, 10 years after the fact, I tried to ignore it until I read that you were trying to take claim of the name. Fix this. <laughs> Which I thought was a bit rude. That's like, uh, I read it and I was kind of thinking, well, my first reaction was like, what the fuck are you on about your ratchet? And uh, then I kind of thought, ah, fair enough, you know, maybe, the, maybe the boy thinks that I'm trying to uh, muscle in and uh, try and pretend to be his band or whatever. I mean, they released that album in 2012, it was nearly 10 years ago. <laughs> and, uh, it, and by the way, it's an alright record, I, I, I didn't mind it, I listened to it when I found out the, the name clash thing. But uh, aye, the tone of this was just kind of, was quite startling to me. But anyway, my initial reaction, I was just to go back and be like, oh, fuck you, you're fucking, who do you think you are and all that? And I thought, nah, nah, I'm not going to do that. You know, the guy's maybe a bit upset and I'm going to explain, I'm just going to explain my position. I'm going to be, you know, take the take the correct route here and, and not be a dick. So I replied back and I just said, hello, good to hear from you. I'd like to apologise if it seems like I was deliberately trying to cause any confusion to your audience. This was not my intention. I'm not in a band, but rather a solo artist, and when I chose the name, I genuinely didn't consider that an artist or band might have used it before. I did become aware of this when I released my first single in 2018 on Spotify, but by then I'd already established a name in the native country of Scotland. <laughs> oh, that's a bit of a strange thing to say. By self-releasing some music on SoundCloud, YouTube, Bandcap, uh, etc. I want to make it clear that I'm not trying to claim to be your band or representing myself as such in any context or medium. And I'd hope that given I'm a small independent solo artist in Scotland, it would never be confused with uh, a band in America. I'm happy to point this out on my website or social media if that would help. Unfortunately, it sometimes happens that bands have the same or similar names. And I think the biggest problem comes where one tries to fool an audience into thinking they're somebody else based on the name. And this is something I would never do to a fellow artist. I hope this reassures you of my position uh, and my intention and that there are no problems. I respect your band, I enjoyed your album once I discovered it, uh, and apologies if this has caused you any inconvenience. Please reply, let me know what you want to do. And since then, I have heard nothing. So I was kind of waiting on like some, like, I'm going to sue you, dude, type response, or uh, like uh, the guy maybe come back and say, ah, you know, it was a bit of a a bit of a fanny, and I've had to think about it, and uh, you know, didn't worry about it and stuff like that. But no, what I got back was absolutely nothing, which is quite funny. But uh, anyway, I just thought I would share that with you. I thought that was quite an amusing incident. But anyway, yeah, there's all sorts of people knocking around there. Eh? It's just, uh, I guess, one of those things. But anyway, the, there's a lot of kindness as well. People wanting to just help others out, and it's great. Uh, I got a, a a random message from a guy called Stu Buchanan, who's a uh, Friendly with, with somebody I know in music as well, friend Douglas, who's in the band uh, Death Mountain. Check them out as well. Fantastic. They've got stuff on Spotify, YouTube, etc. They've uh, got an album called If, which is great. Have a wee look at that if you if you get the chance. Uh, and he, uh, yeah, so Shrew Douglas, a guy contacted me called Stuart Buchanan, who is a fantastic kind of documentary maker 
and uh, really into sort of creative visual arts and, and has a, a website. I think it's, uh, I'll just check actually. Yeah, stewbuchanan.com. Have a look at that for some of his work. Brilliant. He wanted to get into working with, with bands and I think his intention was to work with Douglas's band, but because of the lockdown and stuff like that, it was quite difficult to, you know, you can only really do a documentary on a band or film them live or anything like that. So I think that kind of just got stalled. Uh, and he was looking to do a music video and Douglas passed him my way. And he'd done a, a really great video for the song called The Message. Uh, just completely, you know, off his own back. No way, no way looking for anything in return. Just just wanted to do it. And he'd done a fantastic job. So check that out on YouTube. Uh, just If you just search for The Message by The Last Ghost, you'll see there's a version on there that's accompanied by a, a lyric video with some of the artwork from the, from the album. And he'd done a really good job of that. And I can't thank him enough for that. So that was, yeah, stubicanon.com. Check him out. So anyway, let's wrap this section up. The album, yeah, my reflections on the album is that uh, I think I, I really did put a lot of work in it and I'm glad I did because when I listen back to it now, I didn't have any regrets about it. I didn't, I didn't really listen to it and think, uh, oh, I should have done a better job of this or put more time into that or worked harder on this element. I think I think uh, the, the hard work they went into it is, is good because it's it cleared my mind to, to know that you know I did my best and stuff like that and I, and I hope I'll listen to it in, in years to come and and still still like it and still think it was a worthwhile project. Songs in it, I think, uh, weirdly, when I was releasing it, there was, as I mentioned at the start, there was two or three songs in it that I felt were really strong. Uh, like Only Got A Year was my, probably my favourite song on the on the record. And it, ah, it still, still sounds great. And a couple of other wee things that I threw in that felt like, I'm not saying filler, but didn't feel as strong as, as some of the other songs. But I put them on anyway because I wanted to just put everything on there that I had. And actually, weirdly now, I'm looking back in some of them, there's a song called The Ghost of the Holy Ghost that's on there. Strange title. And uh, that's one of those ones that almost didn't really make the record, but uh, I'm glad that went on there, because looking back, and now that's one of my favourites as well. Uh, Into the Grey, I think's still really up there for me. Uh, Could Be Right, I think's really, really, really good as well. Really chilled out. And a big long one, uh, looking back. That's that's an amazingly ambitious piece, that 13-minute song, about five or... Well, it says it's three parts, but there are probably more parts, really, you could divide it into. There's a lot going on in there, and uh, I like that. I still think that's that's a really worthwhile piece of music as well. And, uh, yeah, my reflections there, I'm, I'm, I'm really proud of it, and I think it was a really worthwhile uh, piece of work. If you haven't listened to it, I would, I would really appreciate if you ever got the chance to listen to it, please do and it flows like an album as well, it's a big ask to, to get somebody to ask anybody to put aside the best part of an hour but uh, yeah, I even listened to it from start to finish on earphones there's a lot of stuff going on in the in the mix and there's been a lot of care taken with it and uh, to do it in the house uh, the kitchen with a laptop and some fairly inexpensive equipment and guitars and stuff I think it's uh, it, it sounds good as well, and I, and I was asked by a few people who produced it, uh, which I felt was a compliment, because I put as much into that as anything, you know, into the playing or the writing or whatever was the the production side, and I think that's one of the things I'm most proud of. I think it sounds like a like a legit record as well. It doesn't necessarily just sound like something that was thrown together in somebody's house. It feels it's definitely no you know professional studio quality by any stretch of the imagination, but it's no just just. Uh, cheap, hissy, studio-type recording either, which is actually right. I mean, I like stuff like that as well. Some of my favourite records have been recorded in somebody's house on a full track, and, and and there's nothing wrong with that. But I wanted it to sound 
uh, legit and sound polished and like something that that might have been produced in a <laughs> I will say a top studio, but certainly an average one. Cool. So anyway, I mentioned at the start that uh, yes, I launched it at the second album pretty much right away. Uh, I felt that I had to <laughs> for my sanity, and uh, I it went. It went fairly smoothly, I think, because I learned so much making the first one. The second one was in, in a lot of ways easier because I already knew the sounds that I liked uh, and I knew how to use the the studio or the the, the laptop, the software. Uh, and I upgraded a wee bit of the hardware as well this time. Nothing much, nothing significant. I got a better uh, audio interface. I got Focusrite, which is a really good one that you'll see in studios and stuff like that. Again, no very expensive at all uh, and kind of, you know, made for the whole market. It's not like a... Uh, professional piece of kit but it's, it's great it sounds really crystal clear and it looks cool as well it's got nice lights on it and uh, a better microphone I think I think the one I'm using just now which maybe just maybe helps a wee bit in the vocals anything that you can get to to increase your quality you know you increase this thing by three percent that thing by four percent and that can add up so I did make a few fairly cheap investments again the microphone was second hand it wasn't expensive but it was a bit of an upgrade on, on what I had before and I used the same, same, uh, same guitar. Well, actually, yeah, this is maybe a bit boring again. And I spoke a bit about guitars and all that last time. It probably is a bit boring, but when I started the album this time, I wanted to use different uh, guitars on it. So on one of the songs, I started using the Fender, uh, Fender Strat copy that was restoring Squire thing. Started using that on the first couple of songs, and that might there might still be some of that guitar on the record, but I wasn't really. I wasn't feeling it, so I went to uh, a different guitar, the Westfield 1986, I think, Japanese uh, sort of hollow body electric thing. Looks like someone from the 50s or 60s, looks amazing, and uh, sounds great as well, nice clean sort of tones in it, and I decided I would use that for the album this time, uh, and I used it on the first four songs or something like that, and I used the Fender Jazz again on the first song, I ran into some problems with that, I was getting some weird noise through that, some sort of static noise, and it's actually on one of the tracks, and I liked the bass line that much that I kind of kept it anyway, usually I'd clean that stuff up or re-record it, but the jazz was giving me some odd issues, I need to get that looked at, so I switched back to the Columbus Japanese 1976 Fender copy bass, got that down from the loft, put the jazz away, and after getting a couple of, a bit of success on the, the Westfield guitar, I, I was able to write two or three songs quite quickly on that, because picking up a different guitar can sometimes just do that, but I did go back to the trusty old uh, first album, uh, SG again, the vintage SG, and use that for the rest of the record. So for most of the record, yep, the uh, Columbus P bass copy, precision copy thing, and the trusty old uh, SG was, was the what I used predominantly. And a lot more keyboard this time as well. I've got an M-Audio uh, kind of MIDI keyboard thing. Again, very inexpensive piece of kit, but really nice to play. And there's a lot, probably a lot more kind of keyboard and piano sounds and uh, this time than, than maybe the last time. But there is there is a bit of, uh, yeah, it's quite a fair bit of guitar in that as well. So it's no massive departure in sound from the first record. I think the songs in this one are, 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 are strong, all of them. I kind of did a bit of editing this time, the first record, I decided to just, I had 15 songs, or is it 16? Is it 16 songs in that record? Anyway, whatever it was in the first record, 15 or 16 songs that I had, and I just decided to put a lot on there and get them all out. 
this time I was a wee bit more selective. I recorded a lot more songs, but I wanted in my mind to get it down to 11. I felt like 11 songs was optimum this time. And I didn't really want to go above 45 minutes either, because I was kind of sort of aware that the first album was quite long. It's almost a double album. This time I wanted it to be a bit more... Uh, concise, a bit punchy, a bit more to the point. It didn't really quite work, out, quite work out that way. Although I dropped quite a lot of songs and got it down to 11, it's still, it's not a short album, it's still maybe 46 minutes or something. But I think, uh, I don't know, I, I listened, a couple of days ago, I listened back to the songs that I rejected for the album that I decided not to put on. And I was kind of like, I don't know, there's a couple where I thought, I don't know, why, does that, why is that no one? That's decent, that could be one of the best songs on it. So... I'm still thinking what to do with those songs and, and how I might uh, release them, if I ever do, you know, how, how I would do that, if that would be uh, an EP or, or something, I'm not quite sure yet. But anyway, no point thinking about that just yet, I should concentrate on the second album just now. So as I mentioned, 19th of February it's out, it's been, uh, there's no, it's a point of no return now, it was just a couple of days ago where you get that point where the album gets uh, accepted for distribution on all these kind of different platforms and you can't you can't go back. So the worst thing you can do, and I did this actually, was to listen to it after the point of no return. So you get confirmation through from whoever distribution service you use. So your distributor will email you and say, yep, it's been successfully submitted to all these streaming platforms. These are all the ones that will put it out, basically. And at that point, it's not your album anymore. It's gone. You can't do anything about it. You can't reverse the process. You can't stop the process at that stage. You can't withdraw the album. It's it's out there. The worst thing you can do at that point is to listen to it for any potential flaws or anomalies because you'll drive yourself insane. And I did this and I found a couple of wee things on it and they're so subtle and so like nobody's going to notice it except me. And I was like, oh, I want to go back and fix that or I want to tweak that lyric or I want to change this thing and you can't, you know, you're at the point where you just can't do that. And I drove myself insane in the, the couple of weeks before I, I sent it to the distributor, making, oh, I think I was on about mix nine or something this time, uh, and I was mastering it, and I was trying all different ways to get the sound a certain way and balance the volumes, and I found that I was going insane by the end of it. And I, I don't remember myself being that bad with the first record. I think I was slightly more relaxed with that, whereas this time I wanted it to sound absolutely just perfect and spot on. And I realised at some point that I had to just let it go. Uh, so I set a deadline. It's a good thing to do, actually, if you're, you're in that situation. And it was going, you know. So a couple of days ago, it was uh, it was gone. And it's out of my hands now. Uh, and I say, I had a wee listen to it. And I like it. I think it's strong. I think it's a strong record. And I think it's... I want to say that thing that people always say when they release a new album. And they say, it's much better than the first one. It's much better than the last one. It's the best thing I've ever done. And sometimes I do think that. I listen to it and I think, yep, this is better. But because I was listening to the first album again, I was kind of thinking, I don't know, it's, is it better? Is it, I think it's at least as good. Uh, but I think I would be kind of like doing a disservice at the first record to start saying that this new one's better already because the first one is still close to my to my heart and it was only just out a few months ago. And I didn't want to think there's already a record out that's better than it. But I think uh, it stands... Uh, it, it stands up to the first record and I think it's at least as good. I feel the songs are all pretty strong and uh, and it sounds good again this time as well to my ears. It sounds legit and well produced and uh, yeah, I think I learned a massive amount for doing the first record. 
So yeah, I did uh, promise up front that this would be a shorter episode, and I think I'll manage it this time, because I've got a lot less to say, because I said so much before. Uh, I guess the thing to mention is the 19th of February is when the record comes out, which is a Friday. I just had to go and check that date there. But yes, 19th of February, it's a Friday, it's less than two weeks away now. Uh, I think I'm going to do another live uh, launch thing like the last time, kind of similar. Uh, I'm not quite thought what, what I'll do this time. But yeah, probably just a rip-off of the last version of that. If anybody's interested, uh, I'll put a link in the description of this episode to my YouTube channel so you can tune into that. Uh, and I was going to play something off the record on this podcast, but what I've done instead, I made a wee video uh, for one of the songs called uh, Long After, which is the second song on the album. Now, it wasn't really any significance in this. I just thought that when I was trying to make a wee homemade video, that that's a song that it kind of maybe fitted in best with, just because of the sort of pace of the song and stuff like that. Video is kind of uh, weird and probably pretentious and probably a, an assault on people's eyes who know about making videos and what you should and shouldn't do. But I, I just, it was made on a mobile phone. I mean, what you want and it was free. And uh, I, I knocked it up and couple of hours and ah, it looks alright you know, it's just another way uh, uh, trying to promote the music and have something more visual for people who like to listen on YouTube you probably want something to accompany it rather than just a picture of the, the, the I don't know the artist or the cover of the record or something like that so just something on your screen while the song's on and uh, ah, it came out alright so I think ah, for the first time I, I, I was thinking about how I could be more connected so people are like you need to I never like on the albums, I didn't have a picture of myself on the albums, and I didn't have a website with like pictures of me on stage and uh, dancing about with like a a shell suit on or something like that. I, I, and I've never really done that. I've never really wanted to do that. So I didn't want to make a video where I'm miming to a song or or just I don't know, just acting weird. So I just thought the halfway house is just a couple of slow motion slow motion shots of just wandering around, just just walking about in slow motion, looking like all fed up and that. And then it was a nice freezing cold day. I just walked in the snow, took some footage, smashed up some ice in slow motion and tried to turn that into some sort of coherent video, which I think I succeeded at to an extent. So, yes, if you want to hear a song in advance, the 19th of February, uh, go to YouTube and search for Long After by The Last Ghost. But I'll also put a, a link in the description of this episode to that video as well if you want to check it out and see somebody walking about in slow motion and smashing up ice in slow motion. Cool, so... Did I say gonna put my shell suit on a minute ago? Why would I be gonna put my shell suit on in the video? That's a bit strange. Don't know where that came from. So yes, that is time to wrap up this episode, episode four of the podcast, which was supposed to be a trilogy of episodes, so that makes no sense straight away. But anyway, I thought I would just talk a wee bit about the last record and what's coming up on the nineteenth of February as well. And again, Really, really hope that you uh, you get a chance to listen to this new record or the, the first one or both ideally. Uh, so thank you very much for listening to episode four. And uh, yeah, I might catch you again at some point in another episode, who knows. Until then, stay safe. This has been The Message, a podcast by The Last Ghost. If you enjoyed this, please like it or subscribe to it, depending on what podcasting platform you use or YouTube, thumbs up, subscribe, whatever it is that you do on these things, that would be greatly appreciated. Thank you very much. If you want to know any more about stuff that I'm doing, things that I'm saying, uh, please visit 
Twitter at the last ghost ray. That's all, folks. Goodbye. This is a message.